0: Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. My name is Brandon, if you haven't met me before, and this is Mario Mavridis. Mary, how you doing?
1: I'm so happy to be here. Honestly, this is amazing. Thank you for the invitation. I am beyond honored to be here with you. Um, yeah, man, honestly, I. Uh, I'm getting emotional. That's how, that's how much I love being here right now, honestly. So Thank
0: everyone, you. one of the big things I love to do with this podcast is I love to interview exercise titans and a lot of people that I've been interviewing, the McMillans and the uh, Kevin Dunn's coming up and Tom Purvis and all these people, Brad Thorpe. You've heard of a lot of these people. Some of you may not have heard Mario of Mario. And, Who's not heard of me? Come on. <laughs> and I'm excited for you to talk to him because honestly, um, he was my first mentor. When I was 18 years old. 17 years old actually. I met Mario. I had to wait till co-
1: eighteen to get to get hired. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he made, I want to talk about that too. Cause he created like my own little RTS pseudo test that I had to pass that I thought was a normal thing at gyms. Anyway, we'll talk about that. And if it weren't for this man, I wouldn't be where I am now thinking about things, had met Peter, joined RTS. So I owe a lot to this. So when I'm talking about mentorship, this is someone that mentored me and he is what I would say, the natural mentor.
1: Hey, that's a, that's a beautiful and intro and a great title thank you and I've never thought of it that way but I guess it has Uh, it's kind of fallen into that role and yeah I mean uh, it's a wonderful thing and and in that intro um, you mentioned Peter who was my mentor and who got me into the business Um, he was one of the two major influences in my life that got me in in this bit relative to this business at least and uh, I think you know no conversation about between you and I would ever be complete without mentioning him and the influence he's had on us and and our our industry as a whole our community industry as a whole because I don't think any of us would be where we are today without him and you know tip of the hat to him Pete we love you miss you and uh you know that's things really important piece to acknowledge
0: Yeah, no. And we can definitely talk about his influence as we're going through this. I remember you introducing me to him and the first thing he said, I'll say this quickly. So we were down in the office. He was setting up to teach an RTS class at the gym that we worked at. And Mario was the personal training manager of Persicini Fitness. And he had his hand on the massage table. And I remember seeing his tricep, like he had like all the striations had like these like finger like movements. So he'd move his fingers and you'd see his tricep like, And, and I was looking at him and he goes. This isn't natural. (laughs) (laughs) First thing you said to me, oh, okay. Okay.
1: I got to remember, Brandon at this point was a 19-year-old impressionable kid. And and then comes Pete, this larger-than-life personality. And, you know, he was probably weighing about 240, 250 pounds of muscle at the time. 5'8". Yeah, 5'8", yeah. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, Brandon's like, what? <laughs> so it was great to see. You, and um, I was really, uh, really, uh, and we, Pete and I spoke about you a lot. And I, I, I mentioned you right away as, a, as, as someone to watch out for. And hey, here we are 20 years later, uh, roughly. Almost, 20, you know, years almost 20 years later. And uh, it's great to see. You. So yeah, um, the what you've built here, man, it, it's, it's, I talk about you all the time. Um with all of my the people that I've I've mentored over the years and worked with over the years and you're you're like my 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 epitome of a case study that's you know, this is this is this is this is what you can can uh, can be can work towards one day and, and
0: you with a low, low cost of twenty years, 20 years. can also do this. <laughs>
1: yes, just twenty years of your life and yeah, no and and Tens of thousands of books read and everything, but yeah, absolutely. E-book, yeah, so uh, yeah, again, what a what a fantastic time we had there. And I mean, that was a really, that was a, that that time that we spent at Prosciutini's was a very um, impressionable. I mean, it was a very important time for all of us. I know that we all got to. I mean, th- thankful to the, the the ownership and manager of Prosciutini's there. They let us explore these things, um, and rightly so because we were translating it into into money <laughs> you're making money it was great for me it was great for them and so they recognized that and you know more power to 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 joe and marla and and uh um uh, uh oh my gosh lana. lana sorry lana love you just had a complete brain fart um you know for letting us uh, use their gym as a playground which is really what we did but it worked it worked and it was wonderful it was really great
0: so um, Mary, I want to ask you about that because one thing for me is that Persichini fitness, uh, really was a place that was special. Like it, to me, it just seemed like that was how gyms are mm. because that was my first experience in working in a personal training gym. I thought that's just the way that it was. And I remember when I went to my first course at Toronto athletic club, they had a similar environment. Yeah. It was when I went everywhere else, I realized that what we had at persicinis the team, the environment, the family, and the number of connections that came out of there yeah. uh, was something that was really, really special. What, what do you think that it was there that made such a huge difference?
1: It was super special. And um, I think a big part of it was... Cheers, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cheers. Let's do this. Let's it to all of you as well.
0: Special episode. <sighs>
1: Irish whiskey. Irish whiskey. That's that's really quite good. Jameson. Yep, so
0: I thought this would be good. Simon Armstrong, mm-hmm. who is a Persacini gym member. Yes, to see me, I remember him. Gave this yeah. to me for Christmas. I thought it'd be perfect to have a, a gifted Persacini Irish whiskey bottle with another Persacini person. Wow.
1: So. Indeed. Well, Simon, to you, thank you. Thank you, much. That is wonderful. I, I wow. I'm like we talked about more of a peat kinda of peaty moss poop. Yep. <laughs> We're PD guys, stereotypical. sorry. Um, but, uh, so what do you think? What do you yeah. think
0: it was? Persicini's, right? There's, there was this family environment. And even now Chris has become one of my best friends and one of the busiest trainers here. Yes, And I would, Margaret Jameson who interviewed at Persichinis. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't ready to start working yeah. as a trainer there and yet, but now works here. Um, a lot of people came through Persichinis and there were these amazing connections that happened that I really have not seen at many other gyms. And you've been at a lot of different gyms. Yeah.
1: I, and, and, I think you nailed it. I, I've been through a lot of different gyms. I've tried to recreate that kind of environment and other facilities I've been at. And, and I've been, in, as you know, and uh, I've been in gyms all across the country um, and I've had some great successes, but never quite the same. And I think it was just the convergence and con- of, of people uh, at the time. Um, you know, obviously, my influence going there and wanting to build something um, that was kind of cool. Uh, also, at the time, um, you know, Lana and Marla and Joe were looking to stand out, to take their business to the next level, and they trusted my vision enough to uh, give me free reign to do so. Um, but also the people that were there, you know, um, everybody was really keen on learning. For the most part, we had a wonderful team. There are a few exceptions, but even those people that were exceptional, they weren't bad people. They just had a different path, but they still managed to enhance the overall mix as opposed to working against it. Um, Yeah, and I I don't think I've – I I can say, rather, I don't think. I know for a fact I've never experienced that anywhere else in in working at dozens of other facilities since – there was something magical. I think it was a timing. I think it was the ingredients all came together in this primordial soup that, that created life as we know it today. And, and it gave life to so many careers. Like you mentioned, Chris, who, who came to us from print, I believe he was in the printing. Quebec core, Quebec Quebec core factory. place. Yeah. You know, and I remember noticing this guy, he's so quiet, but you know, he, he doesn't really talk much, but he was so focused and, and he did it. And, you know, again, that's, that's, that's yours, that's your influence afterwards, taking him in, and building him up. And and I think that's the beautiful thing. I think we just had all these people in here who were willing to learn and people who were willing to teach and it just came together. Uh, and it was beautiful, uh, beautiful thing.
0: So let's expand this thing a little bit. So mm-hmm. Persicini Fitness, so Persichini Fitness was our town's like most nostalgic and kind of like the forefront of the fitness facilities. And I, there was a few reasons why people think that might've been. Mm-hmm conversation for another time. But no matter what, it seemed like that they had a foothold in the industry and no one could stop them from succeeding. But there was a challenge where the personal training department, while they did have personal training, wasn't really making sales and wasn't really growing or expanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So enter Mario, who came from Extreme Fitness.
1: Uh, I had been at Extreme Fitness. Um, Prior to that, I was working at a couple independent gyms as well. I I, I was relatively early in my career, but I think... I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation an, another mentor. I had two mentors. My, I was working with my other mentor, uh, uh, Jason Jingel.
0: Yeah, yeah, we met him once. Yeah,
1: great guy. Shout out to you, Jay. Um, who, he, he, he taught me the business side. So I had Peter on the, on the technical science side, and then I had Jay on the, um, on the business side and the client management side, and he taught me the sales approach and whatnot. So I had taken what I would learned from Jay at Extreme where we met, and then we had gone to his own club, and we put that into practice, and then we had um, just worked on it. and then I, when I got to Persichini's, I had already started modifying it, what I learned from Extreme, I learned from, from Jay, and I started putting my own thing into it, um, coming from the corporate world, because prior to that, I was, I was, a, I was, a, dot-com, I was a dot-com millionaire. Oh. I really was. I was worth 1.2 million in stocks at one point until they vested and then they were worth pennies.
0: Oh, Facebook <laughs> yeah. style. There it is. Yeah, that's what <laughs> happened.
1: So anyway, that, I'm not bitter. <laughs> anyway, and so, um, yeah, so I, I'd taken all of that, that information and just started refining the process. By the time I got to Persaccini's, I had this system in place and it seemed to work well. Um, it I would was, say it worked very well for yeah. sure.
0: Because when I walked in there, right as a kid, there were. 20 trainers there mm. uh, it was the Sam Riedler era um, yeah, Omar yeah, 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 yeah. Jenna, they were yeah. all like it was still <laughs> Kent Schneider Kent, <laughs> Kent. Remember Kent, hey, right, Kent, right so all of these like it was a very fresh like there was a good team but yeah. you were also at that time I don't know if you were doing no, no Omar was consulting yes um, he just and so there this, yep. was there was a lot of growing that was happening there It was a big yeah. team and it looked like to me as a young person I'm like this is a very fruitful career yeah which again was an anomaly <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I think that's, the, that's what it was. One of the things that I looked at this is when I, because because I, I, okay, so officially, when I entered the, the fitness world, um, it was temporary until I got back to my, because after the, after the dot-com implosion, the bubble burst in the late 90s, early 2000s, my tech career tanked. So I thought, okay, I like this fitness thing. I'm enjoying it. Um, I had been working with, um, with Pete, as my trainer my personal trainer for a year or so at the time and uh, I thought okay let's do a show that's how it all started of course so I did a bodybuilding show with him and then I thought okay let's do this fitness thing for a little while until I get back to the corporate world and one of the things I noticed was it was very difficult to make a career Everybody was transient. All these trainers were coming in and they were doing this until they did something else. And I remember thinking, that didn't sit right with me. Why are these people investing time in education and in school and um, you know, reading books and trying to become good at what they do just to do it, for, first of all, for, for crap money. And then to because they can't make a living, they move on to become teachers or police officers or firefighters or actors or whatever it is they were doing. Nothing wrong with those jobs. Um, and so I thought there's got to be a better way. So that's when I started looking at it carefully and saying, how can we ensure when a trainer comes into our gym, in this case, Persicini's, they are filled up with clients. They have as many clients as they want, and they're, they're not looking for another job. The, I, I took it as an insult when one of my trainers needed another job. That's what it was. I took it as a personal insult. And I always, it was always a, a, a point of victory for me when a trainer came to me and said, Hey, I quit my my job at the whatever, the butcher shop, which actually happened. Um, uh, Dane?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He I could see the, him working at butcher yeah, shop. Yeah, he worked at butcher shop. Huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> insulting was, the meat? Yeah,
1: just flip, doing a backflip before cutting you know. Uh <laughs> Anyway, and, and so, and he came to me, Hey, I quit my job because I'm full time here now. That to me was a, Biggest compliment I could receive uh, as a as a, uh, a business person. So, so I, I, that's why. So I applied my my corporate world training and thought, okay, how can we increase sales? And so we refined the process that was started at Extreme and before that Premiere and 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 all of that and kept on refining it, and made it more sincere. Okay, is that a better word? (laughs) More genuine. Sincere, Sincere, yeah. You know, more Socratic and more um motivational. And sure enough, uh, we were able to tap into I don't know the zeitgeist of the time, and um we were able to make a
0: hugely untapped market as well. It was like five thousand members or more of people that had not experienced any form of process like that. Um and I don't want to say it like this, but I mean you could have come in fresh with your sales process, and probably still had a pretty good connection, and then over time developed yes. it even more and more.
1: I think, I remember the first, I remember the very first month, it was June 2005 is when I started um, at Persichini's, and I remember, if, if I recall correctly, and I think it was, I came in midway through the month, so I didn't finish the month properly, but I think in July of the next month, The median, we tripled or quadrupled the previous record, something like eighty-six thousand dollars, which in two thousand five was a significant number, if unless you're. Gym name was Extreme, you know, but that, because they were doing very well. Um, but again, we're talking about an independent shop in in Newmarket um, that had been there for small 30 town. years. small, small town. town,
0: like 70,000 yeah. people at that time, yeah,
1: which had been there for thirty years, yeah, right. Uh, and many of the members were original members. I think we had three hundred original members from the literally from the very first day of operation. So it was uh, there was challenges, and uh, but yeah, so we had a great number, and and it was. So that kind of gave proof to concept
0: and that's when Joe said, okay, go (laughs) do your thing. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so we started doing it. But I think everyone, I I think you need to listen and check this out because Mario's coming into a fresh market. He's a brand new person, walks into a new place, instills some initiatives, has a sales process and takes the business, which was doing maybe around fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month and potentially quadrupled it in not even a full month. I mean, there's some interesting stuff here. So please, uh, if you're tuning in, keep listening because this is an important little lesson, I think.
1: Yeah. And and and, you know, it's funny. Thank you for saying that, because I don't for me, when I go into a facility to implement these practices, I, I just do what what feels natural based on what has always worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you don't really realize until you step back or you present it just the way you did um, rather obliquely like that matter of factly rather where you say this is the difference. You go, yeah, you step back and go, wow, that's that's actually quite significant to quadruple revenues with increasing profitability as well that's mm-hmm. the key because you can have massive revenues with massive costs and it doesn't matter but we, we managed it's to keep organic. costs down yeah so it was it was it was quite good they were quite happy with it and this is also in a market that was saturated mm-hmm. yep. if, you remember, if you remember back then there were there were gyms everywhere
0: in but there weren't trainers everywhere no. at that time. I would say that because I remember saying this in the podcast. Like, I remember the time where I could name every trainer in town. Yeah. Right? And yeah. now I'm definitely, I definitely can't because anyone that works out and is in shape and has an Instagram as a trainer. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, know. it's a little convoluted right now.
1: Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Not that, today. The, yeah, the Instagram trainers, but
0: they're not trainers yeah they're
1: they're not i mean and and i mean more power to them for being fitness marketers and hey i i'm envious that some of these careers that these people have built but to call yourself a trainer or a fitness expert or whatever very very few of them out there meet that criterion and yeah so uh, that's if you've heard of them (laughs) i'm gonna say they probably (laughs) if there if there's a picture of someone's butt on instagram move go on. on Don't something. hire them. Yeah, Don't go somewhere them. else. Go and somewhere there, else.
0: there is a way to do like a highly informed version of social media that will bring you the quality of clients that you want, Yeah. Uh, but your butt and your arms will not do it in yep. those cases. Yep. So we talk about in this podcast a lot, there's kind of two different elements of things that help with your business, right? One is you need to have audience growth and then once you have that audience, how are you converting them? You had the audience, you had a yes. gigantic audience. Yeah. What would you say, if someone was listening to this and they have an audience of people in front of them, they're in a commercial gym, they have access to a pool of people, what kind of things would you suggest would be the first step someone to do should do in an untapped market, kind of like you, were, you did?
1: Um, the f- okay, uh, I'm gonna take a step back from that. Just to address, the first thing is, people respond, in any sales situation, people respond to confidence. It is the attitude of the salesperson that determines the outcome of the sale, not the buyer. So if you enter with confidence, if you engage with confidence, it's much more likely to go your way. So now the question is, how do you build that confidence? Um, Study, uh, become good at your craft, practice, listen, uh, grow, develop, ask questions, prove yourself wrong every single day. Okay, we've talked about that. Like, if you go out there and you you make an effort to take a concept you hold near and dear and trash it, right? And trash it. So you know, try to trash (laughs) it. Yeah, doesn't have to, but try. And then you 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 develop a um, you you develop a a deeper thought process about it. I know that's that's a term we throw around a lot. You've said a lot, thought process, critical thinking, but that's really what it is. Anyway, once you build that confidence, you can engage with someone on a level that most trainers simply can't because they don't, they lack that confidence or at least in a genuine way, right? Well,
0: so on that note, I mean, I think that's an important thing but I think looking at it the other way, I mean, a lot of trainers I talk to when they talk about sales and growing their business, mm. marketing and putting themselves out there, mm-hmm. it, you're right, it is confidence, but there are specific emotional connections they have to something that they're afraid of, yes. whether it be talking about money, whether it about failing, whether yeah. it be being seen or talking in front of yeah. people. How does someone, in your opinion, like what? and I'll say this, I've seen your tactics, so I'm pretty sure I got some <laughs> ideas, but, yeah. but what do you suggest, right? Someone's like, yeah. hey, Mario, I'm afraid to talk about money, right? Perfect.
1: Don't. Don't talk about money, right? So, there, so, here's some, so here's what I mean obliquely, and, uh, uh, and, and I don't mean to make that so, so, so sound so glib about that, but it's, it's, if, if you're worried about money, don't make it about money. Because what I tell people all the time, and I'm going to say this again, somebody making a purchasing decision, it is never about the money. It is never about the money. What it's about is value. So if you're building a value proposition that is undeniable, the money is a non-issue. So if you're good and you know you're good and you're able to present that, like I have no doubt, you're going to go, you're going to talk to someone, you're going to say it costs $5,000, $5 000, what $5 million, whatever that number is, exorbitant, to, it might seem exorbitant to many, you know you can deliver 10 times that value. So it's not about the money. Okay? And if, you're, uh, if, you're abundantly, if, if your confidence is such, you can parlay that to the person in front of you, the prospective buyer or prospective client, it's not about the money. And how do we know this? And, and listen, th- this is really important. I was talking about this just the other day with, with a bunch of other trainers. People spend money on all kinds of stuff. No one needs a $5,000 camera. No one needs, uh, uh, you know. A- not a $5,000 camera. <laughs> <There> it <is. laughs> no, it's not. it's not. But it's a great camera. But no one needs, uh, you know, $3,000 pair of shoes. No one needs these things. But they want them. and they Or how about cell phones? No one needs a $1,500 cell phone. Right. There's literally absolutely no reason I can conceive of why you would need it. But we want it. So we, make, we create the value proposition in our heads to go and justify that purchase. So if, you, if you're strong in your positioning of your, um, of your value proposition, then the money is a non-issue. They will find it. I, I, one of the best stories I ever ha- I've ever said was actually my very early days at... Pers- at um, Extreme. I was working with Jason and uh, a family came in, a family of four, and it was remarkable. The man came in, and two and a half hours later, he had left with $32,000 in services. And that's not an exaggeration. And this is back in 1998, 97 thirty two thousand dollars why because he decided his family was going to be healthy if it killed them <laughs> and that's what it was so he made this he took a he took out a line of credit against his home of thirty thousand dollars and he put the rest in and it was a literally thirty two thousand dollars done that made our whole month with one deal and why because Listen, by any objective measure, $32,000 is a lot of money, particularly in 1999 dollars or whatever it was. Um, There's a lot of money in 1999. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, so for him to make that commitment meant that the value proposition was undeniable to him. Again, these things don't happen all the time, but they do happen.
0: I like that you're saying like the value proposition and you mentioned the phone thing. Yes. I think that's a really interesting thing because we talked about this in one of our social media training videos. If you want to check it out, send me a message. But we talk about, like we actually look at like Apple's marketing and these mm-hmm. other comps. and if you want to talk about competition, your real competition is not the trainer down the street. Your real competition are exactly the daily commodities that people purchase like yes. the cell phones and the computers and if you have someone that says, Mario, I can't afford your services and then you see them next week and they're driving a new Audi or they have the new, Brand new two thousand dollars cell phone, right? It wasn't that the cell phone was more valuable than you. It's just you didn't present your value in a way that beat the cell phone. Mm-hmm. The, emo- the connection and the value that you can deliver, the iPhone beat it. And exactly. Apple has re- billions and billions of dollars sitting there to spend on their marketing. Yeah. So I'd say one, check out Apple's marketing to see how they're showcasing and getting that excitement of like, hey, they're taking pictures of kids with this brand new camera. I can take pro photography with my cell phone. That's great. That's more valuable than my knee replacement surgery.
1: It's funny. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous, but it's true. So it's funny you mentioned Apple. There was, um, uh, who was it? It was a TED Talk uh, done by, um, oh my gosh, Sh- 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 what's his name? Um, the Y, Know Your Why. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Some, that guy, the, the guy, you know who he? That come guy on, that, that guy, talks about Apple and you know, TED. Yeah, you know him. Anyway, and uh, and he compared at the time um, when Apple released the first generation iPod, uh, Microsoft released their. Zoom? Zoom. I don't know what it's called. I, I, I think it was Zoom, Z-U-N-E, Z- something like that. It's dead. And the reason being, again, typical, the, the, the Microsoft product was technically superior in every way. It had more data. It was faster. It was a better screen. Every conceivable way, it was better technically. And Microsoft touted those technical uh, benefits, uh, sorry, those technical uh, features soundly in all their marketing. And Apple came along and said, Hey, here's the iPod. It has a single button. It holds 15,000 songs, or it holds enough music to get you through your day. I think it was a tagline. Get you through your day without hearing the same song twice. Wow, that meant more to somebody than it had seven gigs or eight gigs or at the time, whatever it was, or two gigs of storage, because that doesn't mean anything. So Apple was really great. And, and this is the thing that I always tell new trainers when they're talking about sales. Talk about the benefit. It's the benefit, not the features. The features are great, and you know what they are, but they may not. Hey, I can, you know, as, as technically proficient as you are, you can create a specific exercise for someone and make them a, get it down to a specific fiber contracting exactly the way you want it. That's amazing to us geeks who understand what that means. Yeah. But to the typical end user who's walking in who wants to get in shape, that doesn't mean anything to them.
0: means... So you just said it. And so I was going to say, we actually teach like features and benefits is one thing, but it comes down to what it means, Means. right? Because the features and benefits are the mechanical stuff still. The benefits are great. This phone will make your life convenient, which means you can call grandma anytime you need to, you know, and I think that that is it. Like the value of what it means to you. You, Yes. And And I love and and the
1: emotional attachment you make to it. Yes. People, here's the thing I always say, people buy on emotion, but they stay because of results. So they stay because of evidence. Now, if, you're, if you reverse that and, you, and you're offering evidence up front, people aren't going to necessarily respond the way you hope they will, and which is why sales go
0: south. Right.
1: You know, one of the things that often gets said to me is, wow, you're a really great salesperson, to which I respond and I say, thank you. But let me ask you, did I sell you anything? Did I sell you anything today? Well, I'm buying, you know, $8,000 worth of training. Yeah, but did I sell it to you? Did I convince you? Or did you tell me you had this problem and then I simply showed you this is the best solution to your problem?
0: Which is why I like talking about Jordan Belfort, that whole sell me this pen Stanley's thing. Sell me this pen thing, yes. Yeah, right? I love that. It's a super simple thing. It's not really about the pen. It's about what the pen will do for you and what it means in your life.
1: Exactly. Features, benefits, means. Yeah. Right? What do these benefits? The features are great. They give you this benefit. Now, what does this benefit mean to my life? Super simple. I love yeah. it. And if you stick to that formula, your, your sales will increase naturally. But again, where does it come from? Confidence. Be good at your craft. Know you're good at your craft. Know you can transform people's lives. Know you can transform people's lives. And the sales will come as a result of that confidence. Inevitably. Inevitably and that's what i did when i got to persicinis i took the two or three consultants that were there and i i i kind of did my my shock and awe thing with them which was um you know, get people off the treadmills and, and, and get them thinking about strength yeah, that training. That was, that was a big thing. That was a big thing there. I forgot yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Joe's Persicini run days. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> Everyone was just treadmill. It was funny. That's actually right. I and mean, that was probably the big thing for you is that yeah. at Persichini, so, so Joe Persicini was the founder and he was uh, a bit of a community, big community member. Yeah. invested a lot of money, did the Persichini run Walkathon every Easter, Easter. Easter Seals. Yeah. Easter Seals yeah. for many years. And as such, a lot of people came to the gym and because Joe ran They ran. They ran. Right? So talk about celebrity status, style influence in a small town. And that was the big thing I remember now. And yeah, you did such a good job with that is you got everybody off the treadmill thinking about the resistance machines. Yes. And that was a whole thing. That was a paradigm shift. It was a whole thing. Yeah. By the way, okay, I want to say this. I've told a bunch of people this and I don't know if you remember this. I remember the first day you walked me on the gym floor and we stood in the middle at the person at the desk and you made fun of Sam Riedler for like walk of shame style stuff. And we stood there and you said, okay, Brandon, which machines on this floor will you never use? And I was like, ah. Uh. And you pointed to the cardio. You said, you'll never use those. And then we walked around. You pointed at the multi-hip. You said, you'll never use this. Abduction action. You said, good girl, bad girl. Never use these. Rotary torso. Never use this. It's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's have change. Yeah, of course. But it was we just, all change. Yeah. It was just hilarious. And I think, so, so what I,
1: uh, one of the things I wanted to do and I felt the need to do was, I, I called it shock and awe so you go in you 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 flip the world upside down so people have no no choice but to pay attention to what you're saying okay and so you say things that are intentionally shocking like you'll never use that although of course there's some reason why you would okay um and now we know that exercises uh, there's no bad exercises it's just better 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 or worse for your goal but i mean the point of saying something like that is not that you should never use it but rather to, to to kind of slap you out of that thinking of this is the this is the way you know you have to do cardio you have to, I'm not saying you shouldn't do cardio folks let's let's not don't save the comments it's not what I'm saying <laughs> what I'm saying is is that at at this time again we're talking in the in the mid two thousands and uh, even pr- and prior to that. Uh, Cardio was the only thing. That's fitness was was running. Exercise was jogging. That was it, and so I had to work really hard. I, I didn't. No one hires a trainer to sit, would have them watch on a treadmill, watch them sit on a treadmill for an hour. No one's going to do that. You know, pay a dollar a minute or two dollars a minute to sit sit and watch you on a treadmill. Although there are some trainers that's their business model. Don't do that. Don't be that trainer. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so I had to kind of snap the whole community, the culture had to institute a a significant cultural shift. Like I said, the zeitgeist had to change to accommodate the idea of hiring a trainer. And this is how I did it by being forceful, by being shocking. You know, don't do this, don't do that. That's a waste of time. You know, this is bad. The truth about this. And these are all marketing tactics we see on Instagram all day. And there's a reason for it.
0: Well, gosh, if you want to use a real world example, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, please. But I mean, I don't want to talk about politics at all, but talk about Donald Trump at the U.S. Mm. I mean, regardless of political view, he did shock and disturb the entire process and got everybody excited about something and listened to him. Yes. And thus became president and thus... Regardless of your opinion, did some change made some changes happen?
1: Absolutely. And
0: I think looking back at the inception of his arrival in that area, no one was talking like him. No No. one was acting like him. No. And coming back to you, not to compare you to Trump, but hey, I uh, don't mind his worst comparisons. (laughs) But you came in and you shocked everybody. And like he was saying in the sales world, he kind of got some emotion out of people, got their attention, started some conversations, started some conversations. That's it. And thus turned into four times in the sales in a month.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it. You know, um, Howard Stern in his uh, movie, uh, Private Parts, uh, in the book, of course, he's, he made a comment, uh, uh, one of the radio execs came to him and said, you know, Howard, the people who like you listen to you for you know 20 minutes a day or whatever the number was, the people who hate you listen to you for three hours a day, right? Because they're waiting to hear what you're gonna say next. And it ties into that idea of no publicity is bad publicity, um, not that I was trying specifically to upset anybody. I've never was trying to upset anybody or be insulting. But I think that I think by creating that noise, people can't help but pay attention and say, well, what is he talking about? What do you mean? Don't do cardio? What do you mean? Don't use this machine? What do you mean? You know, the aerobics classes are a waste of time. I did say that, uh, admittedly. You know why? Nostalgia. What? Yeah, nostalgia. <laughs>
0: oh, revisiting these <laughs> days, things you don't say, but you, you don't say, could. say.
1: You could. Again, these are these are. This is the nuclear option. This is the thing that you do when y- you have to generate a. You have to generate some interest, some energy, and that's what it was. And I remember very clearly, often often having group exercise instructors come to my office and berate me for telling people not to do their classes (laughs) you know
0: but here's the thing right so group exercise like let's not talk about is it good or bad because everything in an appropriate dose i mean people and i was talking to tom about this i mean people are attracted to yoga yes and people why yoga works for some people is it's such a low force dose compared to nothing that they can get some progression and move forward a bit but there is a point where there's a diminishing return you're not going to see that Group exercise works, but your role was to sell personal training and make that business money. Yes. So looking at it from a business perspective, right? We have the separation: technical training stuff, business stuff. Your job was to make one department money. Yeah. And I'm not saying to cannibalize the other, but that department wasn't very fruitful.
1: Well, it was also very difficult to measure the. It, the reality was, and we tested this multiple times uh, across different uh, organizations. People who participated in a group exercise were. Very unlikely to hire a trainer, so it wasn't a question of cannibalizing. I, 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 my goal was not to cannibalize. My goal was simply to say to the incoming people, to that you know that forty-something uh, um, house mom who would typically go into the basement. That's where at Perchini's, that's where we had our, our group X department. Go into the basement and do two or three of those classes a week. Um, rather than doing that, hey. If your goal is actually getting results and changing your body composition, getting stronger, increasing work capacity, increasing mobility, stability, perhaps you want to try something else first. Yeah, that's what I did. I didn't say, you know. I mean, ultimately, you can make it part of your plan, but to depend on group exercise as the end all be all of your fitness plan. You're probably going to be disappointed.
0: It became an interesting thing, though, because there was definitely an audience... Because it was built into the membership price. Yeah. So there was no... Um, it didn't cost more for them to do it. No. So that meant that it was a very low barrier to entry, mm-hmm. which meant that almost everybody could do it, which is fine. But when you have now this separation between a relatively high-end demographic that's spending between $250,000 or more per month on personalized one-on-one services mm-hmm. versus that $60, maybe even $45 a month cost, yeah. right? those demographics are very different yeah. people. Yeah. And so if you're catering the entire facility to reach that relatively moderate to higher-end demographic that wants that premium service, Mm-hmm. it's going to upset those people that don't fit into that category yeah. which is where we saw a lot of butting heads yes. and then you might see this in a CrossFit gym as well or other places where you have a membership and then a one-on-one service focus there's going to be that I'm already paying 200 bucks a month why are you changing things?
1: Yeah, yeah and and I think this is a big challenge for a lot of the gym owners and operators out there it's figuring out how they're going to increase one part of the business without alienating the other uh, and and I, think, I think you just have to do it. I think you have to experiment because every gym is a different organism. It's going to have a different, a, d- a different energy and a different life, right? So you, you have to just do it and see, experiment. Yeah. Um, but again, if, you're, if I'm going to maintain this. If, if your intention is to actually help your members accomplish their goals, I don't think you can go wrong if your intention is sincere. And your approach is genuine. Um, and that's what it was at, at Persichini's. Again, it was, I was very sincere in wanting to help. I, I, I was genuinely saying to people, this is what you need to do to accomplish your goal. And if you do what I say, you'll accomplish your goal. If you don't, yeah. you won't. You you probably won't. And we had the evidence to prove it. Do you remember when we did the, um, we did this uh, challenge. It was, we had 25 or 20, I think it was 20 uh, clients with with trainers, 20 clients without trainers, and we did a fitness challenge. And it was over three months.
0: So you could lose the most weight?
1: Well, it wasn't weight. We measured strength, we measured body composition, okay. anthropometric measurements. Um, we had some other performance measures. I don't remember specifically what they were. Probably very unsophisticated.
0: I remember, I got a poster with my client. up before, Yeah. Before, yes, that's Michael right. Mike, I remember very yes. much.
1: <laughs> the chef. Yeah. And, and so we did all of this, and then we measured percentage change. And I remember, so first of all, the <laughs> most telling thing is this. Uh, at the end of the three months, of the t- initial 15 or 20 um, people who started without trainers, only two remained. <laughs> only two. Whereas of the, uh, of the PT side, I think we only lost five or six okay. that weren't doing it. So it, it some some More about. skin
0: in the game. Pardon me? They had more skin in the game. They had more skin in the
1: game, yeah. And okay. that's right off the bat you know I, I say this the worst trainer in the world as long as they're not hurting you will still give you benefit by virtue of accountability I mean that, that's the, at the base level at a basal competency that's what we're talking about and you know, uh, so, so if you start from there, you're, ar- you're already winning if you're starting from there. So and that, that kind of proved it to me. And that said, that, hey, what we're doing is actually effective. And, and then we saw that the percentage of changes. And, and I think in terms of percentage change of, of how we tracked it, the people in the non, the, of the two who remained, their average change was about s- something like 60% average change. Whereas on the, uh, on the PT side, it was one of Jen's clients.
0: Oh my gosh, Jen, yeah, McCannell, Jen McCannell, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and he had a hundred and thirty, is there a hundred and eighty, hundred and ninety percent? Like he was a massive, massive difference, and you know, and that that the numbers are there. And it was one study, but you know, and, and very informal, but still, it c- gave you some information.
0: But I, I think, and if you want to check last week's episode with Brad Thorpe, I mean, I think that there's some um, some similarities between him and you yeah. in that there. You came into the market and like him, you said some things that perturbed some people, got them a bit fired up, but it opened the opportunity for conversation. And like we say, when we talk about our sales copy stuff, you came in and you took everyone and you didn't speak to everyone. You spoke to someone and the someone that you spoke to are the people that became, I mean, $80,000 of revenue per month for the personal training department, which obviously showed some success, but of 5,000 members, you certainly did not sell probably even 10% of those 5,000.
1: No, no, not of the existing membership. Um, w- my goal was to, of incoming members, was to close between, th- was 30%. That was always my target. And I think that's, a, that's a very fair number. That's a reasonable closing ratio. Now, um, other companies like LA Fitness, for example, which is another a company that I, I've worked with, and I, I, they helped, I learned a lot working with them and refined my sales process because uh, for those of you who may not know LA Fitness it's a crucible it's a it's a literal crucible the pressure and the heat of just constantly selling that's it that's uh, it was it was made very clear to me by uh, someone who I uh, one of my um, uh, managers there and directors there who who, who I've learned a lot from I respect tremendously he said we are not a service organization we are a sales organization please conduct yourself accordingly take it for what it's worth, whether you accept it or not, or like it or not, it doesn't matter. That's what he wanted. That's what he was doing. And it forced me to change up my approach so I could then sell a lot more. And I did. I broke their sales record. Uh, I think we did... I did $69,347 in personal training in 12 days. Personally. That's just me personally selling. So that's a lot. I think the record's been broken since, but... Regardless, that's a lot of training uh, any, by bucks. any measure. Yeah. It's a few bucks. In, in 12, this is in 12 days. And this we're selling, and just so you know, at, at LA Fitness, you're selling half hour sessions at 30 bucks a session. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of volume. And uh, when you're under that kind of constant stress and repetition, you, you, you grow. You, 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 be, you become more proficient. So that was a big part of it. But yeah, um,
0: it was a fun time. It was a fun time. <laughs> Honestly, I got to say, Mayor, I want to ask you, I want to change course here. And I'm going to have to say, we've been talking for 41 minutes already, which is crazy. So we're going to have to have you up here again so we can do more stuff. We're not going to get through all these questions. Yeah, sure. Um, But what I wanted to ask you is, so putting aside the influence in sales in Persichinis and then at LA Fitness and everywhere else you've gone on to kind of master the sales department, so to speak. um, The reason why I called this episode the natural mentor is I would say that thinking about this last night and us coming up with these questions, you have actually mentored so many different trainers that I know personally. And there's got to be something that you're doing that's getting people excited because I have not met anyone that kind of has the Osho kind of follower that you create. I and mean, you know Osho, the, he's, anyway, he's, anyway, cultish kind of guy, <laughs> right? He's got these. But anyway, Mario, you have this way of like persuading people, getting people excited, and having these people who are not trainers, not in the industry, all of a sudden be like enamored and wanting to move forward with their career. And every time I see you wherever you are, there are always people who are like waiting to see what you're talking about next and what you're going to teach them next.
1: Wow. You just made me emotional. That was amazing. Thank you. It's true. I really appreciate it. How that. many That's do you want your name? Like, And I'm not yeah.
0: joking. Like it's, it's, it's a tremendous amount. And it's, I think it's part of it is your knowledge, your openness, your warmth. You poke people, but then you make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Apple, after apple, <laughs> give them an apple. It's okay. Hey, teach. Pull up your pants and <laughs> shut up and eat this apple. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Something he used to say to me when I the uh, apple. You're 19 years old. You don't know shit about shit, so shut the F up and flip your pants. That's what I got when I was 19, <laughs> right? I mean, to me, and this is what I've talked about on this. I mean, when I tell people that at 21 years old, when I was at First as I was like the unofficial head of trainer, you were calling yeah. the trainer the trainer. I was running yeah. these study groups. They're like, you were 21 doing that. And I have to say that it was, I mean, obviously self-study work on my part, but it was also guidance from you to push and find the right people and go invest into RTS and MAT yeah. and not let the money stop me, like find the value um, at that time. So what's your secret? <laughs> Gee,
1: okay. Well, hey, uh, it's Campbell's soup. No, um, uh, it's, it's a, there's no secret. It's, I think what it is is the same thing that makes successful at sales. It's, it's being genuine about what, you're, what we're doing. Um, I have a sincere and genuine love for this industry. And from the beginning, my goal has always been to elevate the game, to do the best I can to influence as many people as possible to do amazing things like yourself. Like Chris, like all these other people, to to just be better, to let them understand that the industry as we know it is more than CanFit. That's not to say CanFit is bad. I'm not knocking on CanFit. I think CanFit's great. It's more than 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 even RTS. It's more than it, it's it's always more. And again, these are amazing organizations, and they're things that move you along. But it's, I think what if if i had to guess and i am just speculating i think people are drawn to my innate curiosity because i'm always curious about learning and challenging and going further and people see me doing that and go hey i want to i want to do that too i want to i want to i want to learn i want to be i want to be exposed to this new thought and and i think that's a filter as well because what it does is it it, it weeds out those people who don't have that in a curiosity case in point when you started with us there was two of you remember yeah there's two uh, melanie melanie who's a great girl a lovely young lady who whom actually i i employed to to babysit my um my stepdaughter at the time frequently and she's amazing so i trusted her but it was clear she just didn't have that drive so there's a filtering right I exposed you to, and, and, and her to the same stimuli. You flourished. She fell off. That's okay. So I think what you're seeing is because you carried on along that same path, it's, you're kind of pulling people along in your wake. like Because I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to do this anyway. So why don't we do it together so we can go further? Or just come with me. Just come with me because I'm going to do it. And I think that's what it is. And, um, you know, that was learning from Peter, whom he and I were always very similar in personality and approach, which is why we, we, ha- we got along for so long uh, until we didn't. And then we did again. <laughs> well, that's Pete. Um, you know, and uh, I, think, uh, I think that's what it is. I just think it's, it's, it's an innate curiosity to learn, to grow, to be better. I, think, I believe that's it.
0: I think. think so too. I think you got a couple of things. I mean, I mean, I think the other thing is that uh, you're enormous. <laughs> and I think that a lot of young, I mean, because, and Peter had the same thing Yeah. yeah. and I, I hate, and I think that it's a part of it that you were in incredible shape, right? Because there's this thing that were like, Mar- <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a, a bit of a big fella. And yeah. I would say that I remember the first time I saw you, Mario is very strong, very strong and very healthy. Uh, you were bigger. I was. And yeah. I remember the first time I saw you. I remember the first time I was 17 <laughs> yeah, and I was following like a get your arms big workbook and, a fitness. <laughs> yeah. and I just finished doing a little bit of ab stuff at that chin up bar and I turn around and I saw Mario and he's walking from like up to the chest fly machine <laughs> and I'm not like I, and I, and I don't mean ILS like I mean he was just so big that his arms did and he's working and he's tired he's red his eyebrows were down so he's about to do something you grab the chest fly and I remember you did that leaning forward yeah, chest yeah, fly yeah. thing and he did the whole weight stack for like 15 and I was like is that real? Like, what is going on? And then the second time you came down in these Russian short shorts, you did, <laughs> and you did three plate front squats for like twelve. Yeah. And then and then I ca- talked to you, and you were and this is the thing, right? You see this ginormous. You go to the gym and you see these bodybuilders, and in most cases, if I said what demeanor does a bodybuilder have, like someone who is in enormous shape and is outside of the norm, most people say like they're, they're mean, they're rotten, they're not nice. You and Peter uh. were both super warm and friendly. So it took like this it was this weird like teddy bears aren't supposed to be nice. <laughs> yeah. And then it made it more appealing. And then you add this science and this genuine curiosity and people are like wait a second. This is not just like some reckless person getting in shape. This is someone who's actually taking the time to learn more yeah. to do this the right way. And I don't and then and then you add the sales. And then you add being a good personal trainer. You add all these things in the ingredients and I think it's a really really powerful powerful thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say the shape thing, but all of it comes together to make a, to influence people. It's the shock value.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I I think, again, it's, there's a novelty. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a novelty to being, you know, you walk into a room, you're 320 pounds and you're, you know, you're, you're lifting the gym. Uh, people are going to look at you Uh, again. That's not my intention. It never has been. And particularly now I'm, you know, approaching 50 now it's, it's just not, it's not something I do anymore or I choose to do anymore. Um, but back then, you know, hey, let's see if we can deadlift 600 pounds today. Let's see how it feels. Oh, it's 700. Let's try 700. Let's see how it feels. And, and, you know, why not? You're reveling in your body. I'm not suggesting you should try to deadlift 700 pounds. Don't do it. It's not fun. Um, but it hurts the next day i promise you but um, it's it, you know it there's a novelty in doing these things and other people again are drawn to the freak factor they they look they hear you're lifting that much weight you're going to make noise not because i'm trying to draw attention but because of the sheer effort and exertion people look and they're drawn and then you said so when those that approach me like you did it's easy to have that conversation because it's it's it, it, now you just ex- now you you have seen the freak factor now you're just talking to the person and I'm still the same person whether I'm going to be you know 300 pounds of muscle or 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 not or or you know average size I'm still the same human being and I try to be a good person you know um, I've often I've often been asked if I feel my physique has helped me or hindered me in the past and I can say I. I believe it's helped me more than hindered, but it certainly has hindered. I'm sure it has too. Yeah, you know, people who look at you or you know look at at, at someone like Peter or or even um, uh, Ben, or Mikulski, Ben Pakoski, yeah. right? Uh, a professional bodybuilder, enormous man, and they look at him and they say, or or us and they say, "Oh, you guys are you know, oh, you're you're you're, you're obviously meatheads. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, and all you do is eat and take drugs." And da da, 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 da. and they write it off. And that's to miss the fact that we're pretty reasonable, thoughtful, intelligent
0: fellas. Yep.
1: You know, and as long as you keep us away from the buffet at Mandarin, there's a story for you.
0: <laughs> the three of us walking okay. to Mandarin. So I'll tell one personal story and then we'll see, we'll sneak one more thing in here before we pin things up. So I like sushi now. I love ah. sushi. The first, do you remember the first, you took me over sushi for the first time. You exposed me to sushi. Do you remember this? No, I didn't expose you to sushi. It was like the (gasps) second or third co-op day at Bersachini Fitness when I was Entirely possible. And Sam Riedler and Giancarlo and you were like, we're going for sushi. You're coming with us. And I said, great. So we went out and Mario, being a slightly small person, ordered the normal profound amount of sushi that you do where they almost ask you to leave. (laughs) And then Giancarlo got a call and he was a pretty big fellow as well. And an Italian fellow. Yes. And he said, we have an Italian dinner tonight. I can't eat anything. (laughs) And you looked at me and you said, you're going to have to eat his food. And I was like, 170 pounds, like, and I was like, what? And so I had to eat, like, it was like sashimi was just, like, getting down my throat. And it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I love it now, but I'd never been so full. I mean, I definitely learned a lot about food. (laughs) Yeah. I also learned that the Mandarin Chinese restaurant will make you steak if you ask them nicely enough at lunchtime instead of dinner time.
1: Yep, yep. You walk in and say they remember, remember walking in? They would see him and they would be like <laughs> how many? Five. And then he delivered them to me. My God. Oh, we had a whole we had a whole thing. It was newmarket New Market um, was always had always restaurants, great restaurants, and all of them had some kind of all you can eat or half price or something. And I remember uh, <laughs> I think yeah, it's like all you can eat sushi Monday, uh, uh, some the uh, all you can eat wings on Tuesday, all you can eat ribs on Wednesday, half price uh, uh, wings on Thursday,
0: and then you know just it was just <laughs> every on the day. You you know the things that you remember and you hold in your mind and you talk about later years later and you just call me like that was important. At t- You can tell what is important (laughs) to this person over here, Um, which is awesome. No, Uh, I mean, I I have to say, yeah, I mean, and I I mean, you can even tell just through Mario's charisma. I mean, you have that charisma, you get excited about things and you get other people excited. And I've seen you talk to people who are stern, narrow minded uh, entrepreneurs that don't have time for anybody. And they make the time for you because you get excited and make them feel the value of whatever it is you're talking about. And I think that that's a really powerful thing. So anyone that's watching this, sales, creating culture, uh, mentoring, I mean, please listen to this again because there's some gems in here. And yeah. I think that will happen to We're you. gonna have to have Mario up again because he lives close to me. Yeah, yeah. And I have a whole slew of questions that didn't even ask about and I don't wanna rush them. So, uh, and,
1: and I think that's the, that's the coolest thing, having the opportunity to do something like this and share. Um, you know, we, Like I said, and I'm approaching 50 and um, the old
0: fart. But, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: you fart. know and uh, 25 26 years in the business now 27 wherever it is wherever that number is um, you you start to wonder now um, like I'm closer to retirement now than I am to, to starting my career and uh, you know you start to think about legacy and I can say this and I say this all in my heart uh, knowing you're doing what you're doing Helps me believe I did something right. Oh gosh. I'm being totally serious. And too, um, too mushy. You're too good. No, I'm serious, man. And 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 you know I love you. I always have. And um, I am so proud of everything you've done and everything you do, the family you've built, you know, your two beautiful children, your beautiful wife, the home, the business, all of that. It's I remember when your mom came into <laughs> she came into the gym one Christmas and she brought me a Christmas present. And she said to me something I will never ever forget. Oh boy. And um, <laughs> she, 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 she brought in this gift and she looked at me and she goes, she goes, I wanted to give, I wanted to give something to the man who's helped raising my son to be a great, a, a, an even better man. And to this, I, I remember word for word, I, I'm emotional thinking about it. And um, you know, we've had our ups and downs as, as friends over the years and, and, and everything, but I, that, was probably the most proud moment of my life. I mean yeah, that. Thank I mean you that.
0: very much. You're too kind. And that? I mean, and that's why I'm excited about this episode. I mean, I and everyone that's listening to it. Yeah. I mean, everyone who is a part of the, this RTS MSS world and this fitness pro mentors community, yeah. you see the stuff I'm talking about. I mean, and I think this is what's important. I mean, I always say work hard in silence, like success be your noise and we'll go so far ahead, everyone that people just have to pay attention and yeah. the things that bring you down, they're just behind you, they're far. But I do think looking behind you and being like, well, how did I get here? What are the things that helped me get to the where I am now? And Mary, you're a part of that. I mean, if it weren't for that initial, here's, okay, so here's how I got certified as a personal trainer, <laughs> okay? And it's a sketchy story. Yeah. So 17 years old, I'm doing a co-op. My plan was to become a firefighter. I yeah. needed some time. I wanted to just get in shape. I needed a chemistry credit. So I was doing that in high school and I called and I got the interview and I did Persichini Fitness. Get into Burschini Fitness, super excited about exercise mechanics, and I really start enjoying it. Everything you're teaching me is getting me fired up. I'm like, I'm gonna become a trainer. I can do this thing. This is great. And you said, great. You're gonna go test out for CanFit Pro, and then when you're 18 you can start working here, but you have to pass my test. I have the book over here. I got like the RTS. So what I have is RTS lecture somewhere Lectures, in the yeah. corner over here, and you gave me RTS lecture and all these Tom Purvis DVDs. Yeah. And I went up to the focus child on fitness. Focus on fitness, <laughs> yeah. and we watched like Thanks, totally tuberosity and all that yeah. stuff, and totally tubing, tubular. I mean, yeah. totally tubular. And I went up to the child mining room, and I would spend of my co-op like three hours. I would spend like an hour and a half yep. studying these things, and then I had to hand write uh, Mario's interpretation of an RTS exam, which I thought was normal. <laughs> I thought it was normal to know what a moment were. This is the thing, right? Like, yeah. I need everyone to know, like, knowing what a moment arm was at 18 years old, knowing what a close pack position was. Like, these were basic – I thought these basic, were basic yeah. things, right? Knowing the three different lever systems and all that kind of stuff. So I passed this test and then became a trainer. But it was because of those pushes from you. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Over the years, I remember getting frustrated throughout my career with other people not pushing themselves. And it's not because I – I just thought everyone would to like work as hard as they possibly mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. to achieve their goals, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I would say for you is like no matter what you've struggled with, you're constantly figuring out what's next. What's next? I'm doing this in fitness. I'm gonna start a cigar company. I'm gonna yeah. you know whatever it is. You've always got something on the horizon, and I think that that's inspirational, and I appreciate that influence.
1: Well, I'm glad. I'm I'm really glad. And uh, full disclosure, the reason I wanted you to watch those those DVDs was because I didn't watch them. <laughs> He's he's reading comics up in the office upstairs. (laughs) Uh, No, but I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, And and that I think that's exactly it it's it's an ineffable curiosity it's constantly wanting to move forward and learn and grow and be better and try to find something different i listen i don't always succeed i fail more often than not when i try things it happens but i think i think it's it's to try and that's the key and you've got to try so anybody listening to this who's thinking about starting a business or thinking about you know uh, talking to that new client or reaching out to that to that lead or whatever the case may be just do it just do it and say yes. I that's the thing. Just yes, I can do it. And then figure out how to do it later. Uh, I think that's what drives entrepreneurial spirit more than anything. It's um it's do that. And uh um I, I'm really a fan of that um that approach. Um, you know, you did it and it's working. You got a beautiful facility, it's working, you know, and
0: with scars along the way though. And I think that's the thing that everyone has to understand can look at to a be. position and be like your success, my success, whatever it is. They go, oh wow, you're so lucky you've done great. No, we no. figured it out along the way. You're consistently pushing and you keep trying and you say yes. And even if you don't know what to do, you, you figure, figure it, it out. out. Yeah. Or you find
1: someone to do it with you. Like yeah. there's a, that's the other thing. We're talking about mentorship and that's the key. Um, stand on the shoulders of giants, folks don't reinvent the wheel don't think you're doing it alone someone's done it whatever you're thinking of doing someone's probably done it already or something very similar so just reach out reach out to brandon reach out to myself reach out to someone in your circle someone who's done it who can help you do it and that's what fitness pro mentors is all about um you know there's other companies out there who who are doing do doing similar things like that but you know just reach
0: out you know and ask questions oh my god Ask questions. So Thank to, you. to button things up, yes. uh, one of our students, Norley, says amazing stuff and love to see the relationship. So Norley. Uh thanks so much for uh, watching and we got a lot of people watching right now. So, oh that's great. Um, everyone, listen, uh we are going to have Mario back. I've got a bunch of questions about particular things to help personal trainers develop. As you can tell, he has a world of wisdom and experience from really pushing and challenging himself, going through the battles, figuring it out. You have been on a lot of places and are constantly growing and developing, and I appreciate your influence on me, but more importantly, all these other trainers that have become amazing people
1: oh that's that's that we talk about legacy if nothing else but that i'm i'm grateful well
0: butter my bread and call me brandon okay (laughs) so everyone thank you so much for this episode mary thank you so much for making the drive up i love you man i really appreciate you having up here and uh We'll have them up again real soon. Everyone, Fitness Pro Mentors, please, if you're listening to this on Spotify or podcast, please join the Fitness Pro Mentors Facebook group so you can interact live like Norley and many others did today and catch more of Mario before this episode is published. Everyone, music. Ah. (laughs) We'll see you all real soon. Take care. (laughs)
1: That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I love that.